I want to talk to you about Romans 8.28, the best promise ever. And I want to introduce it this way. I want to introduce, you want to look on the screens there. I want to tell you, you probably have never heard this story, but I want to tell you the greatest bowling story ever told. That's what this story is known as. And uh, that guy right there, his name is Bill Fong. Bill Fong, he was an amateur bowler, an amateur bowler. And one day on February 18th, 2010, Bill was on a roll. He was on fire. The guy bowled 33 straight strikes. 33 was almost, he's an amateur, right? He's not a professional. And, uh, and if you hit 36, that's like the Hall of Fame. You're in glory, bowling glory. So he bowls number 34 frame, hits it, perfect, release, perfect, everything. Number 35, hits it, perfect again. There's uh, hundreds of people there that are watching. And again, he's an amateur, number 15th ranked in Plano, Texas. And so then he lines up to do number 36. He's starting to sweat, right? Starting to get a little bit dizzy, starting to feel a little, little different there. And so, and he goes and he rolls, looks beautiful, looks awesome, looks like it's going to be a strike. Before it hits, the people, I watched the video, the people are going absolutely crazy out of their seats. And all of a sudden it hits, the, the pins crash back and forth, and pin number 10, pin number 10 goes like this and stays up. 899, an amateur, never done in history here. And so again, he's starting to sweat. After he, after he missed it, he just walked off. He just walked away. And so there he was, and he was feeling dizzy, feeling a little uncomfortable. And he goes home, and he goes home, and in his own words, he says, I started barfing uncontrollably. Started spitting up blood there. And the, and the walls continue to close in on him. They're spinning around, and he, and he, and he goes to the ground. And he had a stroke. And then he had another stroke after that. He woke up and he knew he'd had a stroke there. And then shortly thereafter, at 46, he has open heart surgery. And he has open heart surgery and they gave him a 30% chance of living. And when he got out of the surgery, the doctor told him this. He said, that pin number 10 saved your life. Because if that had gone down... Your blood pressure would have gone up. It was already at increasing. It was already at a very high number. You had the strokes. And you most likely would have died had that pin gone down. And you would have been celebrating. And you would have died, he said. Uh, the doctor said this. You would have most likely have been killed immediately. End of quote. Think of that. What he thought was the worst thing that could ever happen to him. The pin stained up literally saved his life. That's the greatest bowling story ever told. Isn't that an incredible story? Yeah. And so, hey, bad things happen. Bad things happen. You think like, oh, dang, 35 strikes and one pin stayed up. Walks off the bowling alley. So upset there. But that one pin saved his life. So I want to talk to you today about why things happen. And if you're new to church, you can see how your life could be different if you were a Christ follower, how you'd have a different perspective, a different different dip, uh, uh, approach and view of life, disposition toward life. And so this is a passage, Romans 8, 28, that could really absolutely change your life if you'll internalize the truth. Uh, how you view your circumstances could be different. Uh, you could have a paradigm shift on how you view life and view the future and how you can be more resilient to the times in which we live such uncertain 
times here. So I'm going to ask if we could all rise to our feet, if you are able, and read together Romans 8, 28. The best promise ever. On the count of three. One, two, three. And we know all things. And Father, thank you for Romans 8, 28. I pray you'd speak to us from it. I pray, Father, that you'd open the eyes of our understanding, that we could behold wondrous things out of your word, out of Romans 8, 28. May we leave here knowing that you are great and you are good and Jesus is awesome. In your name we pray, amen. So Romans 8, 28 says this. It says that no matter what your pain, no matter what your problems, no matter what your tragedy, no matter what your triumphs, no matter what your difficulties in life, no matter what your sins or your suffering, it says this, God is a God who works all things together for the good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So what I have for you this morning is I have five points. I have five take-home points, five what I think are all significant points about Romans 8.28. And the first one is this about this incredible promise. Number one is that it is a definite promise, a definite promise. He says that we know. We know here. We has your name on it. We is for you. We includes all of us here this morning. We includes all everybody watching online here. And we know, we know, friends, for absolute certain, we know with an unshakable knowledge that this is true. Says there's so many things, think about it. There's so many things that we don't know. And so much of life we don't know. But there is one thing that you can know, even in the midst of all the negative things happening around you, but this we know that God is at work. We can know this beyond any shadow of a doubt, with absolute certainty, we can know this. Notice it doesn't say, and this we feel, or this we hope for, but no, we know, when we don't feel it, when we don't know, we can have the certainty and cling to this truth. So whether you feel it or not, whether you know this or not, God is at work among you for good. Even now, even this morning, uh, there are people here, you feel depressed, you feel disappointed, you feel discouraged, you feel down in your, in your spirit there. Uh, you can have this confidence here that God is working behind the scenes in, in your circumstances for your good, even though it may not seem like it. And have this unshakable confidence that despite how you feel, despite your circumstances, God is at work here. This is why we're so committed to the scriptures, and we know. Like James says, knowing this, the trying of your faith. So it's so important what you know here. We can be very feeling-oriented in how we approach life, but the key here is really says, and we know. And so how can we know? Well, we can know because God says it here in the scriptures. So we know beyond all shadow of a doubt that every aspect of your life is in God's hands here. And so uh, you don't have to second guess it. You don't have to have sleepless nights wondering about it. You can know what is happening to you. Maybe you don't understand the why. Maybe you don't understand the wherefore, but know that it's for your ultimate good. So number one is that we have a definite promise you can bank on. Secondly, I want us to see this, that it's, it's a divine promise. 
in the New Living Translation, it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together. Everything to work together to those who love him. And we know that God. See, it's not Rod, it's not you, it's not me. We're not central to this life or this promise. It is God here. So God is at the center of it, always working, perpetually at work, ceaselessly at work in your life, moment by moment, though you don't see it, in every circumstance, and we know that God works. Isn't that good to be reminded of that life is not about chance, life is not about luck, but it's about a great and a good God who endlessly, purposefully is working all things together for our good. Even when life's screaming at you. I don't know about you, but sometimes life screams at me, things like this. Yeah, but it's just too much. Or perhaps uh, you're feeling like, this is too painful, or I can't handle this, or life is unfair. However you feel, this promise still is true that we know God is working. Because God, he's a mighty God. He's able to do more than we could ask or think. He's all-powerful and all-knowing. He's all-wise. So there's nothing that is too hard for him. He's sovereign at all times. Sovereign over all things. And so even when you can't see it, he's working. Even when you can't feel it, he's working. He never stops working in your life. And so this is who God is working all the time. Isaiah says this, For since the world began, no ear has heard, nor eye has seen a God like you, who works for those, there it is, works for those who wait for him. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter, uh, I think it's cha- uh, chapter, oh, now I forgot the chapter, but it's, oh no, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. It is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure, giving you the passion and the strength to do what God wants. And so we have, friends, a definite promise. We have a divine promise. I want us to see number three. This is awesome. It's an all-encompassing, powerful promise. It says this, God works what? Some things? What does what your Bible say? God works all things. You do have a Bible. You can look at the screens too. God works what? All, all things, right? Does all mean all? Yeah. So does it mean probably all things or mostly all things? Or does it mean all things, no exceptions? It's all things, right? All means all. And that is all that all means. All means all, and that's all that all means here. So all means all circumstances. Think about it, all trials, all trouble, all things that cause you a happy heart, all things that cause you a sad heart, all things good, all things bad, all things sweet, all things bitter, all things in the calm, and all things in the storm, all things that comfort you, and all things that cause you suffering. God is at work in watch all things there, all things in your life, all things in my life. The Bible's saying that our all-loving God, who is over all things, makes all things, everything that comes your way for the good, all things that are under the umbrella of this great promise. So, but what this is not saying, what this is not saying is that, hey, things just kind of work out. Things okay, you know, people you hear people say that, well, it's all gonna, all gonna work out for the good. No, it doesn't say that. See, it's not saying that all things are good. It's not saying that. It's not saying that uh, all things just sort of somehow come together. No, that's, that's, not, that's not what it says here. Because sometimes you, you 
have those moments where you feel like you're in the worst season of your life. And God makes all things, friends, all things uh, that happen to his children, even the seemingly worst things, and uses them to his own good. So, uh, for our good. Well, what kind of good? What kind of good, good is it? Well, it's an eternal good. It's not a temporal good. God is working to the end. In, in the end, it's a spiritual good to conform us to the image of Christ. See, it's a good from God's perspective, not our perspective. And good, though, is always the goal that God has in mind. Look at what it says here. It says, and God works all things together. It's a powerful, number four, it's a dynamic promise. Because watch, they're working all things together. And so sometimes you feel like, what in the heck is going on in my life? What in the heck is God doing in my life? You think like, how in the world is this mess ever going to fit into God's plan here? And so all things work together. It's very interesting here. The original language, the word is sungero, which is where we get our English word synergy. So it's literally saying this here, that synergy is happening in all the behind scenes of your life, working to a positive uh, a positive end. So not that every individual thing is good that happens to you, but in the end, God is working for good. See, sometimes you view your life and you think, oh, God, when I view that in isolation, that was not good, that was not good, that was not good. And you're thinking of all the things in your life that are not good, and you think, how could the end be good? Well, because there's a divine synergy that even in the darkest moments, the Bible's saying, that God produces something positive. God is the one at work with a divine synergism there working together, weaving together all the different aspects of your life in his grand overarching purpose there, his eternal plan. So there is God working all of the individuals for his eternal good here. Now, I want to uh, illustrate this for you. I want to illustrate this for you because it is from God's perspective that it is good. It's from God's perspective. So let me, let me illustrate it to you this way. Okay, I'm going to illustrate it this way. And I might even ask for a volunteer. So I'm showing you what synergy looks like. So one of the things that goes into a cake, what, is flour, right? It's flour. Anybody want to come up here and taste the flour and see what it tastes like? Is this, would you, would you say that the flour tastes good? No, you would say it doesn't taste good. Okay, let's look at another thing there uh, that we put into uh, a cake. We put in, we put in raw eggs. Okay, we have to break the eggs there, right? Come on, somebody. And you got all the raw eggs. Come on, you got raw eggs. And uh, do raw eggs taste good? Yeah. No, they don't. I used to drink raw eggs all the time when I was a kid. But anyway, they taste awful. They just taste awful. And then you've got baking soda. Okay, you got baking soda. There it is. Baking soda. Baking soda tastes good? No, that doesn't taste good. And then you got, then friends, we got salt here. We got salt. Okay, we got salt. And so this is synergy. Synergy is that the individual elements there, though they may not taste very good going down in your life. In the end, there it is, this tastes good. Come on, somebody, that's true, huh? And so, yeah. So but God is always, God is always there at work, a divine synergy there. And there is God in your life stirring the individual parts together, 
though one by one individually, they don't seem good. You can't think like, how could the parts ever be put together something that was good? But in the end, God makes it good there. And so although uh, we know that all things work together for the good, is it saying that whatever happens is good? No, it doesn't say that. Are all things good? No. Uh, Is all the suffering and all the pain and tragedy good? No. Uh, Will we be able to understand why um, the flower of failed life happened to you? You know, why the the smashed areas of your life happened? Uh, What happened? The the baking soda of a bad life, you know, the the salt of tragedy. We, We look at those things, you could never think like, uh, they're, they're alone, they're not good, but together God can mix them and make them good. So God is at work, uh, not from our perspective, but from he is always working there, from an eternal, not a temporal perspective there, and from a spiritual perspective, He is. what is he doing there? He is working in us, transforming us into the image of Christ. And so, friends, the banner over our lives, what we need to see is this. The banner over our lives is this. The banner over our lives is that God is at work. That's the reality, is God is at work. It may not seem like God is at work. It may not seem like it in the moment. But the banner over our lives from Romans 8.28 is this, that God is a God who is at work in our lives. So the overarching eternal purpose for good is that God is there providentially orchestrating behind the scenes Good, even though it is not obvious, it's not obvious to me what God is doing. And so, but friends, uh, the banner always over us is good, that God is at work. And so, we're going to experience things in life that we don't understand, but we do need to understand this, number five. It is a limited promise, a limited promise. Not only a definite and divine, all-encompassing dynamic but it's a limited promise. Watch what it says. To everyone, no, no, to those that love God and those are called according to his purpose. Watch this. So this is one of the most absolute verses in the Bible. So we absolutely know that absolutely all things absolutely work together for our absolute good. Friends, is not, is not that absolutely wonderful? Come on, is that what absolutely wonderful? And so, but... There's one part that's not absolute. The promise does not apply to absolutely everyone. Doesn't apply to everyone. See, it's like there's a circle drawn around the promise, a circle drawn around the promise, and the promise is this. To those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. And so the people that the promise applies to are God lovers. There's a limitation here. And so the promise of Romans 8.28 is reserved for those who love God. It's not a blanket promise for everyone. There is a limitation here and a circle around it that you love God, that you have a personal love relationship with the living God. And the word here is used is love God is agape, which is God's love, and it's present tense, which means this, present tense means that right now you love God. It means that there's this ongoing love for God, this constant love for God. Not that you're perfect, not that you got it all together here, but the general direction of your life is that 
you love God. So, and of course, we love God because why he first loved us, right? He first loved us. There's no way that we would ever love God if he, if he didn't first love us. And so, uh, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 7, 9, Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, a faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations to those who what? Who love him. And so, again, we love him because he first loved us. Romans says this, that 5, 5, that God poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given to us. So there's the Holy Spirit, friends, okay, pouring out his love into your hearts that you may love God and love others. So no one's ever going to love God unless the Holy Spirit has touched your heart. This is why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those that love him. And so the condition here for Romans 8.28 is that you love God. So friends, do you, do you love God? Then it says that we're also the loved and called according to his purpose. Called according to his purpose. That word called literally means invited, invited or welcomed in is what it means. The idea in the original language in that, that time was to be invited, to be welcomed to a banquet. It's like God is inviting you, welcoming you, summoning you, uh, romancing you to his divine banquet to know him and have a relationship with him. It is the inward call of the Holy Spirit to our hearts, and so changes everything. Changes your perspective on life, your perspective on relationships and how you do life. And the incidents in our lives are no longer just incidental. They're no longer incidental because you're in relationship with Almighty God. And so there he is, stirring the mix, the individual parts which don't seem good unto an ultimate end, even using setbacks in our life there to work his plan. It reminds us, Romans 8, 28, that God has a better plan for, for our lives than we do. How many people know what I'm talking about? God has a better plan. And so when I look at this bowling pin, and by the way, this comes from my office. This bowling pin sits in my office. And every time I look at this bowling pin, it reminds me when things don't go so well, in Rod Collins' life, I can look at that and I can be reminded that, oh yeah, God, although maybe I'm not too happy with the way things are going, I know that you know best. I know that you know best. So I have this in my office and other things too that will remind me of this great truth. But it's to those who love him, and those are called according to his purpose. I wonder if Bill Fong, and I don't know, but I wonder if he has pin number 10 in his office. I just wonder. And I wonder if um, uh, all of us, if we could write something on here. Like, what would you write? What would you write on here? I would write, I would write, thank you, Lord, for Romans 8.28. Thank you for not answering all my prayer. Thank you, God, that you know best. I'm going to write that, God knows best. And so what would you write on, what would you write on that bowling pin about your own life? about the relationships God has saved you from, about the prayers he hasn't answered that could have wrecked your life, but all the things that he's done in your life, and you look back in retrospect knowing that, wow, 
There was God like Bill Fong, working all things together for the good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So I want to leave you with three things here, like three responses. Such an amazing promise. So real quick, what do we, how do we respond to this? Well, we respond with trusting God. I mean, uh, to internalize this wonderful truth, if we would internalize it, it helps with your, your anxious thoughts. It helps with your sleepless nights. Uh, because the list there of we know all things, how many people know that list goes on and on and comprises a long and a difficult list of things. But we're reminded that God knows best and we don't. And we learn to trust in him. And then secondly, we talked about last week to thank God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You build that into your life. Again, we talked about that last week. And then lastly, in light of this great truth, in all of life, no matter what happens, keep turning toward God. Not away from him when the difficult things happen, but turning toward him. It's a massive promise, but it's more solid, more stable, more unshakable than any, any than Mount Everest. I mean, it's an amazing promise here. Uh, considered the best promise in the Bible, really the best promise in your life we've unpacked for you today.